for anyone who's going to quit a job, I will say my executive coach and mentor at the time gave me the best advice, which was, she said, when you go into the office to tell the partners you're quitting, if you go in with fear of them being disappointed with you, they're going to respond. If you go in and actually share your joy of how excited you are about this next chapter, they will respond and match that. Hey everybody, my name, is my name is Joe, this is the Daily Shot of Inspiration, and we are talking with Vanessa Loader today. Vanessa is a women's leadership expert, writer, international speaker, energetic spark plug, committed to helping you expand and to redefine your life's possibilities. Vanessa also has a beautiful TED Talk that I listened to that's lovely that I definitely have a question about and from, from that that's great. And Vanessa's new book, super exciting, The Soul of Solution is out. If you're hearing this, the book is out and I'm assuming they can get it everywhere books are sold. Correct. Yep. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the places. All of the places. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today, Vanessa. And for everyone that's listening, tell us really quick, who, who is Vanessa? What are you all about? Yeah. Well, <laughs> what am I all about in two minutes or less? <laughs> uh, so I would say I've been a driven, ambitious woman my entire life. And I graduated from an Ivy League school, top of my class thought about joining the Peace Corps when I graduated from college, but I went into investment banking on Wall Street instead, you know, same, same, but different. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had this real work hard, play hard mentality. I would work just around the clock, these hundred hour days, hundred hour weeks, not hundred hour days. Mm -hmm. um, when I got out of work, I would either go drink a little too much alcohol with my girlfriends or zone out watching really bad TV. That was kind of how I managed my stress for many years. I went on to work in private equity doing these billion dollar leverage buyouts, got my MBA from Stanford, thought about doing something entrepreneurial when I graduated, but chickened out, went back into finance, told myself, oh, well, it's more responsible because I have a little bit of student loans. But really in hindsight, it was a fear of failure and also a fear of not knowing what I wanted to do if I didn't follow the prescribed route of success in our culture. So. This theme of achievement went on for many years and I basically got to this point in my career where I was on track to be a partner at this firm, sitting on the board of a company I loved, making plenty of money. And yet inside, I just felt like some deeper meaning and purpose was missing from my life. I had this feeling in my bones, like I'm meant for more, but I don't know what that is. And I would lie in bed at night with my mind just racing, thinking of all the things I didn't get done that day and all the things I needed to get done the next day. And I remember having this moment just thinking like, this is success. You know? mm -hmm. I thought I would, I climbed all the rungs of the ladder, right? Go to a good school, get good grades, get a good job, get a promotion, get into grad school. It was like, I got to the top of the ladder and realized, crap, I think this is the wrong ladder. Mm -hmm. So that led to a bit of a breakdown slash spiritual awakening. And I started getting really into mindfulness and meditation. I also studied neuro-linguistic programming, which is a way to rewire your neurology to change your response to stress. Uh, I read the book, Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian Weiss, mm -hmm. and it just blew my mind. I ended up training with him in hypnosis and past life regression healing. So I studied all these things just because I was obsessed with them. Like, how many, how many past lives have I had? I want to mm -hmm. know all the things. And it was like my overachiever went nuts in the personal development space for many years. Um, and I ended up changing so much that I quit my job in finance and decided to dedicate my life to bringing these tools to other people. And really particularly to women and to women leaders, because I, 
I do feel like there is an epidemic of burned out, overwhelmed women. Mm-hmm. And my own personal theory is that all these women have come to me over the years. When I peel back the layers of all the questions they're asking or the things they're searching for, underneath it all is this fundamental question of can I trust myself? And in the culture that's really negated feminine wisdom and intuition and given us a lot of toxic messages about what are the roles and expectations are of women in, in a patriarchal society, I think it's a very valid and understandable concern. And so in my own life, I found that the solution was really about going inside myself and learning how to trust my heart and my intuition and my body and my soul, even though I wouldn't have even used that word mm-hmm. 10 years ago, and then kind of live and breathe and move in the in the world from that centered place. And that's how I think we're going to create real lasting change in the world and also have really happy, joyful, satisfying, fulfilling lives. Ah, that's, that's, that's it in a that, nutshell. That's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And I'm curious, we're going we're gonna to time travel back. What was it like when you quit, when you left the, the day, typical yeah. day job to do all of this? How, how, how did yeah. it, cha- how did going to bed at night change? Not easy at first, I will say. And I, I talk about this in the book. It's like being in the hallway. You know that expression, when one door closes, they say another one opens. But there's a version of it that's when one door closes, another one opens, but the hallways are a bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, um, so true. Yeah. So for me, when I quit my job, I was originally going to start a baby products business. Okay. It's mm-hmm. very different from what I'm doing now. And I was being very Stanford MBA about it. I had done a consumer survey. I was going to raise venture capital and pay myself a salary right away. And I woke up one day and I thought, what am I doing? I don't give a crap about baby products. I'm just starting this business because I think it's a good business idea, but not because I'm passionate about it. If I start this company, I'm just going to be an unfulfilled entrepreneur instead of an unfulfilled private equity investor. So that was a moment, another defining moment. I remember I was walking on the beach in Christie Field in San Francisco, and I realized, oh my gosh, my whole life I've been following my mind, my ego, and my wallet and not my heart and my intuition. And maybe that's why I'm so unfulfilled. So I made a plan. I decided, okay, I'm not going to take this. I'm not going to start the baby products business. I'm going to quit with nothing planned. And I'm going to give myself six months with the only mandate being to follow my heart and my intuition for six months. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know how to do that, but that's what I'm going to do with the clear intention of finding work I love. And if at the end of the six months, I haven't found work I love, I can always go back to finance or take a safe job or do whatever. Um, so I did, that's what I did. And when I quit, the partners at, the, at my firm were like, come on, you're going to like a competing firm. You're telling us you have nothing, you have nothing planned. You're quitting with nothing planned. And they thought I was lying because mm-hmm. who does that, you know? Um, and it was terrifying. And what I learned was that when my overachiever didn't have someone else setting the gold standard, it was one of the scariest, most vulnerable things I've done because I had to listen to myself and trust myself and follow my own, what I call in the book, energetic breadcrumbs, which are those moments when you feel really energized and alive and curious about something. So it was terrifying. But then within a few weeks of quitting my job, all these people started coming to me for coaching advice because they wanted to quit their jobs. (laughs) They had heard that I quit. 
And then, and I would leave these coffee meetings and these lunches just feeling so energized. Mm -hmm. And I was already three quarters of the way through a coaching certification just for myself because I was so into these following an energetic breadcrumb. Mm -hmm. But that was my first little nugget, my first little breadcrumb of, oh, maybe I want to be an executive coach or do leadership coaching. And then it all evolved from there. Um, but it was definitely, it was definitely challenging. Thank you. I, that sounds so exciting and so in, inspiring. And I love the idea of the energetic breadcrumbs. I'm, I'm all about intuition and listening to that little voice inside and being honest with ourselves and following it. So I'm curious, how did you, for everyone that's listening, maybe there's a way, how can we start listening for those breadcrumbs? How can we start finding those breadcrumbs if we've kind of, if we've turned off our intuition a long time ago? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it starts with paying attention to the body because your body will give you signals. You know, you might get little champagne bubbly feelings inside or goosebumps on your arms. Or one of my mentors, Katie Hendricks, she talks about what she calls a whole body. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just like when your whole body feels like a yes, when someone says something and a whole body, no, like what does your whole body know feel like when someone says something like can you volunteer on this task force and your whole body goes like oh no mm-hmm. and so starting to notice what that feels like and even what does a whole body maybe feel like um so that, that's one way you can do it the other thing i describe it as it's sort of like your inner spidey sense turns on about something like someone mentions the name of a book or mentions someone's name and something inside of you like perks up a little bit it's sort of this like this esoteric feeling of like, oh, I want to know more about that. Mm-hmm. So it's a feeling of aliveness inside of you. A very practical thing you can do that I write about in, in the book, um, in the chapter on energetic breadcrumbs is for just a week, each night before you go to bed, just journal on what gave me energy today. And when was I in a flow state today? Or what did I do today where I had more energy at the end of the activity than I had at the beginning? That's what I was paying attention to when I noticed those things. Like, when did I feel more energized after something than I did before I did it? And then you really want to peel back the layers of that. So let's say, oh, I had a conversation with Cheryl at work and I was really energized after that. What was it specifically about that interaction? Was it Cheryl? Was it the topic you were discussing? Was it that you said something and you could tell it really landed with Cheryl and and she took it in and it was going to be useful for her? Like, what were you doing in that moment that that made you feel so energized? And that's going to help you start to unpack uh, what I call your unique, or what Gay Hendricks calls your zone of genius, mm-hmm. which is another chapter in the book, finding your superpower, the things that you really like, that you're naturally really good at. When you start to unpack what was it specifically about that interaction that was so energizing, I guarantee you were using your unique genius in some way in that moment. I love that. I love that. And I'm sure that the more you did this, the stronger it got, right? Just like any muscle in our body, the more we, we use it, the, the more the more aware we are of it. Yes. I, yes. I love that that zone of, of genius as well. I've heard, and I don't remember who said this, but it's one of, it's a, a, like a practice. What can you talk about? What can you just talk about you find yourself talking to your friends about your family and you're just like blah, 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 blah. you're just going off if we actually explore those places there's something there and i'd love to joke and be like it might be legos who cares right, right? <laughs> there's something there we live in this beautiful world that 
just start talking about what it is that you enjoy and things are going to happen. Like when you quit your job and all of a sudden people are like, wait a minute, what did Vanessa just do? How did she do this? Mm-hmm. And which opened up more doors. And it's like, we start following, following those breadcrumbs. We start following the synchronicities that are always all yeah. around us totally. and by using our brain, right. Taking advantage of a reticular activating system and actually saying, Hey, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm creating and allowing that supercomputer to, to really help us get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to, I loved this about your TED talk. It really got me because it was so, this little piece was so awesome, so short, so simple. Tell us what visualization is. Oh, yes. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a big, this was one where I was like, wait, I'm, I consider myself a worldly educated person and I've never heard of the power of visualization in your subconscious mind. You know, when I got into all these tools 10 years ago. So visualization is just a way to harness the power of your subconscious mind. And your conscious mind processes information at about 50 bits per second, but your unconscious intuitive nervous system processes information at 11 million bits per second. So 50 versus 11 million. So basically 95% of our brain activity is not conscious. And visualization is a great way to harness the power of your subconscious mind because the subconscious mind doesn't always think in language. It thinks in images, symbols, pictures, feelings. And so a really great visualization uses all five senses you can really see it, feel it, taste it, touch it. Um, and it's, there's also research that's been done at Stanford that was really interesting where they aged people's faces and had them see an image of their future self. And they made different choices. They saved more for retirement when they connected with their future self. Wow. So I'm a big fan. I, I lead a lot of guided visualizations around imagining your future self and, you know, visioning your goals. And one of the things you want to do when you're to do an effective visualization is you want to find the pictures that elicit the strongest physiological response in your body. So for example, I was coaching a woman years ago and her goal was to make partner at this firm. I was like, okay, well, what's the image that represents you making partner? She was like, I don't know. And you know, something like a W2 statement with a certain amount of money that's probably not going to jazz up your body. So we were playing around and I was like, well, do they do like a celebration? You know, they, the way they do in all the movies with law firms where mm-hmm. they call you up and you think you're in trouble, but they're all standing there with a glass of champagne, like congrats. She's like, no, my firm doesn't do that. <laughs> like, well, what's, what's the image that like, that represents this goal. And we were just tossing around ideas and all of a sudden she goes, oh, Vanessa, the parking space. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, the parking spot. When I get to named partner, I'll get my own parking spot like a plaque right by the elevator bank. And I hate parking in downtown. And it's I can just like imagine myself just sliding right into that parking spot, that partner parking spot and like walking into the elevator. And she was so, her energy went up like 11 levels, just mm-hmm. describing the parking spot. And it was like, boom, we, we've nailed it. That's the image you want to use that represents the goal. So you close your eyes, you get in a relaxed state. You imagine that scenario. You're sliding into your partner parking spot. You've got your heels and your whatever, you know, do you have a coffee? What do you normally do? You want to bring in as many details as possible and feel it in your body. I love it. I love it. And in your TED Talk, maybe, and, and I probably should have said this before that I was going to ask this, but you did a little example for everybody, a yes. little a little visualization. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah. You're like, that's the part I really wanted, Vanessa. No, that yeah, was beautiful. So- I love it. I love the way you explained it because I, I, I talk about this so much because I'm I'm a manifestation coach and a mindset coach. I'm like, what are you seeing? What are you feeling? What does it feel like? 
but just this little and yeah i love it's everything you just said but just the little the little practice was yeah, really got me because it was like this it. is it yeah all you do all right so those of you listening right now who are like what's visualization just close your eyes hopefully you're not driving while you're listening to this close your eyes and see a red bird and now see a yellow flower allow your eyes to open you did it you just did a guided visualization it's that easy <laughs> it's that easy everybody it's that easy you don't have to be a wizard it's that easy. Like it literally is. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. 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 And the example I use in the book is I've found over the years, my mind still comes in and chatters at me when I'm doing a visualization a lot of the time. And I think there's a misconception people have that, oh, I'm not doing it right if that happens. But no, it's fine. If your mind comes in and judges the images or judges, like I used to do a visualization to boost my immunity. And for whatever reason, I always saw my white blood cells as the stormtroopers from Star Wars, which is so weird. So sometimes your mind will bring in an image that you judge, but for whatever reason, I could imagine them like marching down my body, ushering out the disease. And my mind would come in and be like, they're the bad guys in the movie. Like, what are you doing? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> right. And judge it. But then I would just go with the image because I could really lock into it. And then after a few years, that image became kind of stale. And I liked, I preferred Buddhist monks in white robes, ushering out the disease as my white blood cells. So I, I changed it. Mm -hmm. but you know, you want to just use what works for you and the mind will still might come in and judge it. And that's fine. You can go, thank you, mind, but back to the image. Yeah. We often have to come back to the, and, and check our mind, literally check and be like, wait a minute. Is that really true? No, most likely it's not. Um, another thing that I really enjoy, um, that, that you have, I'm not sure if it was on the book cover, if it's on the website. It's this lovely little quote that what if the point isn't to crush it instead to savor it? Mm. Right. I read that and I heard this quote, I think by Muji. I think it was Muji or Satguru, one of those two wise men. And the quote was, why weren't we taught to work with joy? Right. What if raise work hard, work hard, work hard. Or now in the crush it hustle world, right? You gotta be crushing it. You gotta be hustling. But what if? What if we're just savoring that journey? What if we're just enjoying the ride? Mm -hmm. It's so, so beautiful. And I'm 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 curious, since you work with women, do you really think women can have it all? <laughs> so as a feminist <laughs> spiritual teacher, I actually take issue with the very question. You know, the question itself, can women have it all? It implies actually that women should do it all for everyone else all the time. Like, why aren't we asking if men can have it all? Because we're not expecting men to do it all. Mm -hmm. So the question is inherently flawed and it has an implication that we should do it all. I do think women can have it all. And I think it needs to entail each of us defining what it all is for us rather than how society defines what it all is. And so part of that, you know, is around clarifying your values and coming up with a definition of success that resonates for you. Our culture has a very narrow myopic definition of success. It's like money, promotions, power over people. For me, that didn't resonate, which is why it felt so hollow when I attained it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? But if I change my definition of success to be 
time in nature, moving my body, time with my children, laughing with them rather than doing their laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Certain things I want to achieve with my work and my business, deep, intimate connection with my husband, having time for creativity and hobbies. Like when I put all of that and I create a more holistic definition of success that feels really good to me, then I, I can, you know, that's more, I can have that if that's what I want to choose to focus on. Mm -hmm. And that's so, it's so true for all of us. A lot of the people I work with, one of the first questions that I ask is what is your definition of happy? Because most of us don't even know. We're just following, right? Like this was this is what my parents told me happy is, or this is what success is. And once we actually start saying, wait a minute, like you said, walking in the woods is is successful for me, right? Having the time to do that. And when we can actually define what it is, because we're all different. We're all different. So if we all define our own happiness, our own levels of success. Then we don't get to, and I'm sure you had a lovely career, right? You had a lovely life, but then you get to a point, you're like, wait a, wait a minute, I got all this, but there's something still missing, right? And then we start exploring and going on that journey. And that's when life really becomes fun, when we can let go and be like, I'm going on this journey of self-exploration to see what lights me up inside. What can I talk to my friends about nonstop and drop into the flow? Yes. Yes, totally. So I'm curious, Joe, what's your definition of happy? My definition of happy is kind of relates with time and freedom. So I want to have the freedom really to do what I want. If I want to take my dog for a walk through the woods, I want to know that I can. I want to know that I don't have to use an alarm to get up. And it's not that I wake up late. I usually wake up around in between four and five because I love the morning. So it's the freedom to to literally live the life that I want to live. And that creates the happiness and having these conversations, you know, like knowing that it's, I don't even know what today is Thursday at, at <laughs> one o'clock, right? I guess I have a conversation with an amazing author, an amazing, inspiring person that that's and helping people, right? Like doing these things that that's it. If I can help someone reach their goals, then that's, that's happy. That's joy. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully they're, them doing it inspires somebody else to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a beautiful ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Like when you quit, I'm sure you didn't even think that your actions would inspire so many other people. Yeah, no, I didn't. And even, gosh, 10 years after that, or seven years, I forget, my husband quit his job. and I ended up coaching him through that. You know? <laughs> um, and I, for anyone who's going to quit a job, I will say my executive coach and mentor at the time gave me the best advice, which was, she said, when you go into the office to tell the partners you're quitting, if you go in with fear of them being disappointed with you, they're going to respond. But if you go in and actually share your joy of how excited you are about this next chapter, they will respond and match that. And it was so counterintuitive because I thought I should hide my joy because mm-hmm. they would be mad at me. Uh, but actually, it totally worked. And I've, t- I've told a ton of people that and it's worked for all of them as well. So, you know, they'll match whatever you come in with. Mm-hmm. And I love that because the universe, the world is exactly like that, right? If we can come at it truthful with our joy, with our excitement, what's happening on the inside is going to reflect on the outside. So instead of being small, we're like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to quit. We go in and you're like, this is what this is what I'm doing. 
And it's because of this job that has allowed me to be in this position to do this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. So beautiful. I, um, my past life, I was an IT director and I randomly quit my job on a drive home from Vermont. Oh, was there like a, a, an impetus that, you know, caused you to do that? I, I left a job um, as an IT director at a university. And it was great. The university environment being there, student workers, people that actually like their job. Awesome. I left that to go to a small software company looking at the money, not mm. at everything else. And once I got there, I, was, I realized it was a mistake. But it was the mistake I needed to push me out of that world to get me mm. to where I am. And my boss mm. called to yell at me for not responding to emails after being on vacation. And it was just, you know, I was at that point and I was like, I love you, Bill. I quit. I'm never coming back again. <laughs> Thank you for that gift, Bill, of just pushing me over the edge. Right. And for everyone that's listening, I don't recommend that at all either, though. Like there was no plan. It was just, a get, and I think it does happen to some people. We know there's something more. We know there's something bigger. And for me, I needed that push to do it instead mm. of creating a plan. Cause I think if I would have created a plan, I would have got stuck in the plan and in the, can I really do this? Can I really do it? He just, it all, the, the unit, the stars, the planets were aligned on that day that I wasn't taken anymore. <laughs> like I'm out, never coming back. Um, and it was super scary, but again, it was like listening to that, to following the breadcrumbs or, and I'm curious, would you say that's a soul whisper? Which thing? The just following, right? Like having that conversation and just, I didn't even know where it came from. I was holding onto my steering wheel. And I was just like, I quit. I can't do this anymore. Mm. But it felt like it was coming from yeah. the core yeah, of my I would, being. I would, I would say you would be the judge of that. That sounds like a soul whisper to me. Yeah, for sure. Those, you know, mm -hmm. I, the soul whispers. Yeah, it's that moment when that little voice inside, you know, tells you something. Or they can also come through a dream or a synchronistic you know, event or conversation. So yeah, it sounds like it. Mm -hmm. I feel that you use a lot of intuition, soul whispers, breadcrumbs in everything that, that you do. I, yeah, I do. And I still have an ego. So <laughs> it's, you know, they say you teach what you most need to learn. Right. And mm -hmm. so it's been, it's been so funny bringing this book to the world because I literally wrote a book about how to differentiate between ego and soul and to follow your soul. And then my ego's like, you're not selling enough of these books. <laughs> so the irony is not lost on me. Um, I they like talk to my husband, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Cause I, sometimes I get carried away in the old stories of like, Oh, I should be working harder to sell this book. Or, nah, nah, nah. And then I, and then I have, I, you know, I lose my marbles a little bit and then I come back to center and then I, trust my energetic breadcrumbs. And then I've had these amazing serendipitous encounters with people where I tell them about the book and they're going to tell all these people and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But I've also had the like egoic must sell more books, frantically texting, emailing people. <laughs> and, you know, I think that, I don't know about you, but the longer I'm on this path, I mean, it's not, it was never about eradicating, you know, the ego and all these parts I, I don't like about myself, but I'm able to treat myself with more tenderness and also more humor and just laugh at like the ridiculous of being, you know, a spiritual being in a human body and how both are true. And I love the expression uh, from Jen Sincero's book, You Are a Badass, where you say, 
I'm just a little bunny doing my best. Mm -hmm. That's just <laughs> one of my favorite self-compassion tools. So I say that a lot. I'm just a little bunny doing my best. <laughs> and that's true. That's who we are. We're just trying to, to do our best. And I think if we can be honest with ourselves about it and remember, it's okay to give ourselves a hug, right? Like be that person for ourselves as well that could give ourselves a hug. Be like, hey, you got this. Like, it's okay keep going. We are, we're all going to mess up. We're all going to make mistakes, but if we can just be like, all right, I'm, I messed up now, here I go. I'm going to keep going and know that it, it's all right. And I think the more we can be honest with ourselves, the more that like yucky feeling goes away and, and, yeah. and lets us kind of just be remembering we are human. We're going to make mistakes every once in a while. Every once yeah. in a while, we'll make some mistakes. <laughs> like uh, every day for me, like maybe every hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The key, though, I think, is when we catch ourselves, right? When we catch ourselves and be like, okay, wait a minute, what are you doing? Are you actually self-sabotaging right now? Or, you know, and just not being hard on yourself, but kind of exploring. And I, I bring that up because a couple of days ago, I was sitting here doing some work and I kept putting off what I needed to do. But I was doing other things that was for my my business and everything, but I really wasn't doing what I needed to do. Like, I'll come back to that. And I literally sat here and was like, okay, wait a minute. Why are you avoiding this? Just mm. do it. Just get it out of the way and it will be done. But it's like, sometimes we got to have those conversations and and talk to ourselves. And Yeah, yeah. And uh, once you had that conversation, you found you just did the thing. And it was yeah. Like, okay, right. Why am I putting this off? Because I don't actually, I'm having more fun being creative over here. And this little piece isn't creative, mm. right? So it's like circling it, circling it all, all around. I would love if maybe you could share a, uh, maybe a tip or a technique to start mm. inquiring, is this my ego or is this mm. my soul? Oh, Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So to really tune into the soul, I recommend quieting the ego and then learning to differ differentiate between ego and soul. I have a whole chart in the book, um, but basically the ego has a quality of sort of pushiness to it versus the soul feels more like a pull, like you're being pulled or drawn to something. You have a longing for it. The ego has this very never enough quality um, and it's kind of often very fear-based the soul is very unassuming. You know, I, I joke, it's it's like the ego is like this very loud house guest who like bangs on your door and comes in with like muddy boots, <laughs> announces itself, makes a big stir. And the soul is like sitting quietly by the fireplace the whole time waiting for you to notice it. Mm -hmm. so at first, the voice of your soul will probably be so subtle that you will not even, you will discount it or not notice it, or you'll think it's random or weird often the ego comes in and judges the soul whispers as random or weird or strange or not logical, not linear. And that's, the ego is very rational, very strategic, very linear. The soul, if you want to live a more soul-based life, it's very much an emergent process. Like, oh, this leads to this, leads to that. And so A goes to D, goes to K. You know, it's not A goes to B, goes C to D. And you can't like connect all those dots in advance. So mm -hmm. it's actually a sign that your soul is speaking to you. If you judge something as not making sense, as being weird or not strategic, or I don't, I don't know where this goes. Like, okay, I want to take an art class, but I'm not going to become an artist. So this doesn't make sense. Why would I do that? What this isn't leading to anything that I can clearly define. Mm -hmm. That's actually a sign that maybe your soul is talking to you when you're having those sorts of thoughts. That is so beautiful. I love that idea of it's a, a 
pull, like you're feeling this pull to it. I've been having this really interesting experience in the TikTok land. I've been going live oh. every morning doing a just a manifestation Q&A. And once I get the people out saying, is Bobby going to like me? Does Tammy love me? All that stuff. Once those people kind of leave, then I start getting, I want to manifest a Lamborghini. I, you know, like these ridiculous things. And I'm like, I, I, I think that might be your ego wanting this maybe we check and the really interesting thing i feel with manifesting creating our, our life is that when we connect to that soul purpose we start mm -hmm. manifesting everything we want because it's coming yeah. from the soul level and we i've been finding that people that are struggling with manifesting it's kind of like is that really what you want or is it what the ego wants do you think you're going to be cool because you have them? Right. You yeah. really don't want that. Start exploring. So I, I really love that idea of where's that pool and that pool that might be like, why the heck would I take a painting class? But you never know. Right. It's like the the one of my teachers, Neville Goddard, talks about visualizing before you go to bed at night. And then, you know, we plant those seeds in our subconscious and then we wake up and he has he calls it the bridge of incidents. So the bridge Ooh. of incidents show up and it's really just our brain showing us those signs and the synchronicities that are always around us. But when we're setting that intention from a soul level, it's going to imprint more on our subconscious that will help us see or be like, oh, right, I'm supposed to take this class. And then we show up at that class and the, that perfect person that we're supposed to meet for something else. And you just never yeah. know But when we can listen to that pool, listen to that pool. Good stuff. Good yeah, well, stuff. I like that. The bridge of incidents. I haven't heard that. Yeah. So all the, the things that come to you during the day after you've done that the night before. Mm -hmm. That's really fun. And the thing that I love about it, because for everyone listening, I know that sounds super woo-woo, right? It does. It sounds very magical and very woo-woo. And it is. But it's also our reticular activating system. We're putting that, what we want, into our brain, into the, the RAS system, which is our filter. So... When we wake up, it's there. So it's not pushing it away. Our brain is actually saying, remember, you said you wanted to like find the synchronicity, see the thing. And I, I do this a lot. I'll do, it, I'll do it with you right now. And everyone that's listening probably heard it before. Think of pink flamingos, okay. right? And the big, beautiful pink flamingo, right? They're beautiful, silly birds. And they're everywhere. We don't notice them. Because there's there's so many pink flamingos in front lawns or in displays that we don't even notice them anymore. But the more I say pink flamingo, pink flamingo, pink flamingo, it's now getting, it's going in. I'm see one today. You'll somewhere. see one today, right? And the people <laughs> listening are probably like, Jesus, Joe, I'm gonna see more pink flamingos. Because they really are, but we just don't see them. So and that's the bridge of incidents. It's like, what are we putting in? And if we can connect to that soul level, follow those breadcrumbs. The amazing, amazing things start start happening for us. Yeah, it is. It is true. And I've had so many insanely magical things happen in my life or my clients' lives that I've just been astounded by. You mm -hmm. know, you kind of you can't even script this stuff, right? The like crazy things that will happen. So yeah, I mean, I had one client at a retreat. She visualized her future job, quit her job, went to design school. Four years later, she called me up and was like, I'm freaking out right now because I just 
went to a job interview after finishing design school for a totally new job. She's like, the building was this white, very modern specific architecture. It was what I saw in my visualization four years ago. It was the same building. And she's like, and then I walked into the job interview and was like really in my head. Cause I'm like, well, does this mean I definitely get the job? <laughs> I saw the, and she did get the job, you know, but it kind of like, it freaked her out so much. She almost like couldn't even speak in the beginning of the interview. But I, that's the stuff where you can't even, it, it's just wild. And like, I've never seen that building before. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's the fun of it. Cause then it really is it's like, we are, we're creating this reality. We're setting those intentions. We're, we're going forward. And then it, it's all around us. We're just not seeing it. And when we put that little intention in, it starts, it starts showing up. And the same, the stories that, that people share with me, the things that I've experienced, I'm just like, wow. And I think it is a superpower, right? Like, and not like, um, remember that show? I don't remember what channel it was on, Heroes, and all of the teenagers had these superpowers, right? Mm -hmm. Not that kind of superpowers, but we have superpowers, right? I believe you talk a little bit about connecting to the superpowers, our superpowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's kind of what I use for your zone of genius in the book. But I, I do think visioning and manifestation, it's the superpower that we all have. And, and, it, and when you start to unlock it, you'll be amazed. And you know, for me, that's why it's such an important piece of going from the old paradigm of success to the new paradigm, because when you use visualization, you don't need to do all the hustle and the sacrifice and the efforting. Things come to you with an ease that's shocking. Mm -hmm. I love the way that you said that things come, come to you with ease. We still have to do the work, right? You still had to write your book. And yeah, I think- <laughs> yes, right. We we need to take the action. And I think sometimes that's where us silly humans kind of get a little um, lost, right? I made a vision board, but nothing happened. Well, great. <laughs> Did you actually go out and try to create the things that you put on your vision board? Um, but when we do all of these things, we put all of the practices into play, we start noticing the flow and the flow starts coming to us. And life is just, life is magic. Life is magic. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> so let's let's check in with um, alignment. You, you talk about five major signs when you're out of alignment, right? Mm -hmm. And I think I think sometimes in the spiritual world we're focusing on being in alignment. Am I in alignment? But I like this idea about you know what are the five? What you don't have to share all five because you'll have to get the book to get all of them. But maybe one or two signs that you're out <laughs> of out of alignment. Yeah. Well, I mean, the first one is the body because the body never lies. And so I talk about a lot of women who come to me have unexplainable migraines or chronic back pain or chronic illness or insomnia, hypertension. You know, so if you have something like that in your physical body, that's often a sign that you're out of alignment with your, your truth, your soul's wisdom, your soul's guidance. And, you know, that's why the, the whole body, yes and no, and maybe and starting to listen to that is a way to, to get back into alignment. I had one friend client who was asked to be on this task force at work and really didn't want to do it, but her boss asked her. So she felt like she should, she was debating it. And then she finally said no. And she goes, she called me afterwards and said, as soon as I said, no, my whole body felt expanded and open. And like all this energy came back. So that kind of thing, trusting the body. Mm -hmm. um, the second one is mental spinning because I, you know, if you're really in your head, analyzing something and kind of like debating the pros and cons of like, oh, should I do that? Should I do that? It's actually often a sign you're out of alignment. One of the things I observed in myself, and when I've shared it with clients, they've noticed the same thing is 
I realized anytime I was really spinning my wheels and something was a maybe, I couldn't make a decision on it. It was actually usually because it's a no, but I didn't want to admit it. Mm-hmm. And like, even for small things, should I take my kids on a road trip to visit my sister this weekend, this one weekend? I was like, oh, I don't know. Should I, should I not? Should we like debating it, debating it? And I realized it was because it was a no, but it was confusing because it was a yes that I love to take my kids on a road trip to visit my sister. It just happened to be a no for that particular week because I was really dang exhausted. Mm-hmm. So sometimes a thing is normally a yes, but it's a no for now. And then we end up spinning our wheels, analyzing it, or we're in maybe. So that's usually a sign you're not in alignment as well. If you're a lot of mental spinning. Mm-hmm. So really it is um, when things are flowing, when we're, when things are moving with grace and ease, it's, grace and ease it's pretty much the direction we should be going it's when the when so many obstacles start showing up right that we may want to stop and say wait a minute should it really be this difficult yeah yeah and one of the things i talk about is sort of based on the oh i just i lost your sound my sound went out you're back that's funny okay <laughs> Must have been it's, something really good that they didn't want us to do. Well, I love that you just said roadblocks <laughs> and things go wrong. And then it was like, where did the sound go? Right, right. Uh, um, I was just saying advancement without alignment doesn't feel good. And so it's more important to feel good than pretty much anything else. And so when you don't feel good, you want to check in like, what's going on? Why don't I feel good? What do I need? How can I get back into alignment? And then take inspired action once you're in alignment but if you don't feel good don't take the action right right so and i love that you just said that so let's say i don't feel good what do i do oh it's hard i mean honestly i will say as as a driven woman it can be very hard i had a morning a couple days ago where i didn't feel good and i was like but i'm in the middle of a book launch there's so much i should 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 be doing Mm -hmm. should is a red flag word that you're not in alignment and your ego is trying to tell you what to do I spent two hours meditating, doing all my like channeling with light beings and all my crazy stuff um, until I felt better. And then, and I went, I did something outside in nature and, and then I felt better. And then I took action once I felt, sometimes I've even allowed myself to lie on the couch in the middle of the day and watch bad TV just for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I'll feel like, okay, now I feel better and I have the energy to go work again. You know, but when we sit at our computers and we try to push ourselves through, that's a, that's kind of the old paradigm of of what it means to work and, and be successful. Mm-hmm. So um, I find if I rest even in a micro, lying down on the floor in the middle of the day and listening to music you like for 10 minutes, that can be a great reset. Yeah, I love the little resets like that. And I sometimes wonder because the little resets could be so simple, but people don't do them. Right. If you're like, no, really just lay on the floor for 10 minutes, listen to something good, you're going to feel much better. And we're like, no, that's too easy. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to keep struggling throughout the day. So again, yeah, if, still- if, if, if you're listening, right, and you need a reset, do take that, right? Be kind to yourself. I heard somebody say, and I, I don't remember who it was on so many podcasts and things, but it was like, if you wake up, right, and you're just like, oh, man. You're around 10 a.m. and you're like, wow, today is horrible. Today is rough. The person said literally get back in bed, lay in bed for 10 minutes, and then get out of bed as if you're starting your day over. Mm, Literally just tricking the brain like, nope, this is a new day. 
I'm starting over and and mm-hmm. allowing to be in that that space of of moving forward. Yeah. Love the I love a love a good reset everybody yeah. out there so so take advantage of those things. Yeah. And I know you do a lot of like morning, right? Morning uh, rituals and resets and intention setting manifestation and mm-hmm. yeah. and, and I'm a morning person so I, I got up in the morning I write in the morning I journal I meditate and I feel that the whole world is still asleep and I don't have to worry about anybody or be distracted with anyone and it's like I'm in a lovely lovely little little cocoon and that that's that's my time when I get my my good work done and then when the rest of the world is waking up, I'm like, oh, I can kind of relax and enjoy my coffee and start mm-hmm. my day. But I think that's very, very important. And I love it that you brought that up. Do you have any kind of specific morning ritual-ish things that you do? I do. And there's there's one meditation that I share the script of in the book and that you can find on my website um, that... It, it actually, it just came to me in a steam room. <laughs> for, I don't know what people would always say they get good ideas in the shower and that would never happen to me, but for some reason it happens in the steam room at my gym. So anyway, um, it's, and, it, and it's, it's called sat surrender, allow, and trust. And what you do is you, you meditate and I have a whole guided meditation to take people through it, but, or you can just do it on your own and ask the question. You just say, I surrender, allow, and trust the universe to move in me as me and through me today. And you can use a different word than universe if you prefer life, God, whatever. Yeah. And I have a whole bunch of phrases that I'll go through. Like I surrender, allow, and trust myself to expand in creativity today. I surrender, allow, and trust, you know, the universe to show me the next right move. You can make up whatever you want, uh, but I like it because then I'll ask myself, have I sat today? And it's kind of like a pun. Did I sit mm-hmm. in meditation, but did I surrender, allow, and trust? And it sometimes I'll add these expressions from A Course in Miracles. What would you have me do today? Where would you have me go? What would you have me say and to whom? And there's something really, it's it's opening, it's an invitation to get guidance from mm-hmm. a higher power. And it's interesting when I ask those questions in meditation, sometimes a random person's face will flash across my mind when I say, you know, what would, who, what would you have me say? And to whom I'll see a certain friend's face and then I'll reach out to that person that day. So it's another way to strengthen that intuition muscle muscle. Mm-hmm. I, I love that as a way of asking and, and putting it out into the world, into your guides, to your spirit guides. A friend once said to me, I was, I was in a little bit of a pickle. She was like, what did your guide say? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. And she was like, why don't you ask them? And I'm like, mm-hmm. huh, I usually just sit and meditate and let things come. And I wasn't really a, a, a an inviter. Like I wouldn't necessarily invite them in. She's like, you oh, need to start yeah. talking to them and actually invite yes. them in. So if you're totally. listening, I love that. Set that intention. What would you have me do today? Oh, that is so good. So good. Vanessa, this yeah. is great. Thank you for your time and for sharing so much, um, so much goodness with us today. You're so welcome. Um, I, w- I have one funny spirit guide story. Yes, yes, you. please. I love spirit guide stories. Oh my gosh. When I was in my finance job, I... And I, I got really into past lives. I read Ainsley McLeod's book called The Instruction, which is all about how you have a soul age and a soul type, and you can choose work that's aligned with your soul type, if you know what it is. And then I had a call with him 
and I was still working in finance at the time where he was like, oh, your soul type is something called spiritualist. You'll never be happy in finance. You're about to go through a massive awakening. You're not going to recognize yourself a year from now. And everything he said came true. He calls himself a reluctant psychic. Mm-hmm. Three years later, yeah, was it three or two years later, I'd started my new business and I had a dream about partnering with Ainsley, but I woke up from the dream. I was so excited. I was like, oh, I'm going to reach out to him. We can run this program together. And then within an hour or two of my ego, I talked myself out of it. I was like, he's famous. He's been on Oprah. You're just starting out. Why would he partner with you? So I didn't reach out. Three days later, I had the dream again. I was like, okay, well, I'm coaching women to follow their breadcrumbs and then listen to their dreams because that's one of the ways our soul talks to us. So I reached out to his assistant and he wrote back right away and said, I was just cleaning out my desk. And I found a slip of paper that said, we'll work with Vanessa Loader one day that he had written down. But then he goes, this is the best part. He goes, so we talk about partnering and leading up a course and a retreat together. And he goes, well, let me, I need to talk to the spirit guides about it and see what they say. So I'll get back to you in a couple of days. So then I was on a walk with one of my girlfriends and I was like, well, I'm kind of interviewing for this job, but like the spirit guides are interviewing me. (laughs) Like, I don't really know how to figure out if I'm doing good in the interview. Like, are they just like watching me? (laughs) Like the spirit guides are are checking me out to see if I'm going to be a good partner. (laughs) We just like laughed and laughed about it. And meanwhile, now I talk to my spirit guides and light beings like every single day. But back then it was a whole new, I was like, Mm -hmm. what is this? How do you do this? This is crazy. Is this really how this person makes decisions? (laughs) It could be very intimidating. And I think it's just because of the way that we're raised, right? We're not really told that you have the, there are, higher beings around us here helping us. And if we let them in, and the more I practiced with them, with with my people and my guides, the more like our intuition, it gets stronger. And I like to tell everybody, like we have our these spirit guides, right? We have our people with us, but we also have free will. So what if every morning we wake up and we say, instead of just being on the sidelines, you guys are in the game today. You don't have to wait for me to call for help. Just invite them in every morning. I invite my spirit guides in to help support, love, direct me throughout the day today. I love it. And then they're in the game. They're with us, right? We don't have to worry and be like, oh, shit, somebody going to help me? They're already (laughs) here. They're already in the game. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. So for everyone listening, please get the book. Follow Vanessa everywhere. I'll put all of your links in the show notes. Is there anything you want to share with us? I believe you said all of the fun book launch things are happening. Yeah, it's all happening. Um, I, I would say if you go to the page on my website, it's Vanessa Loader, L-O-D-E-R.com forward slash soul, S-O-U-L hyphen solution, or just click on the big word that says book at the top <laughs> of the page. But if you, that has the links to all the retailers that sell the book, if you want to support an independent bookstore or whatever. But if you buy it through that page on the website, I have a ton of free bonus material. So like guided meditations, videos, downloadable PDFs, visualizations, because I really want to give people ways to embody all the tools in the book. So if you buy it through the website, you can get all that great bonus content. Awesome. And I will link that direct link right in the show notes. So when you're done listening to this, all you have to do is scroll down and click on it and you'll get all of the goodies. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Joe. It's such a pleasure to talk to a fellow old soul about all these wonderful things. So yeah, thanks for having me. It's, it's been a joy, a blessing. Thank you so much. And everybody out there listening, thank you for being here. 
and uh, subscribe, like, share, do all that good stuff. And I'll be back really soon.